then I started to understand like, no way, these people didn't have iPads or sketchpads to, to figure all this stuff out. They literally like chop down a tree, carve it out, and they made these beautiful paintings. They had they didn't go to the paint store. They had to like make paint from rocks and twigs and dirt and all that stuff. You're like, what's my why? Why would you do all that? Because you loved something or something deeply impacted your life and you were like, I got to communicate this and I want this to be a common story or I want this to be a shareable thing. Welcome to Undiscussed. My name is Eric. And I'm Caroline. And this is the show where we talk about things that Christians should talk about, but often don't. And, uh, you know, we say this a lot, but I want to say it one more time. We're not experts, Caroline. <laughs> By no means. And especially you. Oh, thank you for that little dig. I <laughs> no. appreciate it. I, I thought you were going to give me one back. That's, no, I was actually I trying was, to hold back. I, I lobbed it up kind. for you. We're in the presence of a very kind guest. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I'm in a good spot right now. <laughs> but we we have a lot of fun doing this. So anyway, uh, our guest today is Scott Erickson. I know the one and only. Welcome, Scott. You're you can say hello. Feel free. <laughs> Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Caroline, how would people know Scott? Where would they know him from? Oh, why don't we let him introduce that, Scott? Why why would people know you? I follow you on Instagram, but probably some people who are more into the sphere of the world uh, or this sphere of Christianity would be more likely to. But for those of us who might not be, what are you kind of known for? The best way I can explain things is always through story. But I uh, was on a podcast. I'm not cheating on you guys, but I've been on another podcast. And one guy's <laughs> like, uh, no offense, but I've never heard of you. But I'm seeing this extensive uh, work. Where did you come from? And my joke or my response is like, yeah, I'm in a field where I don't have a competition, but I'm also in a field in Christianity that nobody cares about. So uh, I've been, so if you don't Aww. know who I am, that's completely <laughs> Um But um, yeah, I, uh, I'm a visual artist and, and also a performing artist. And um, I really am engaged in the work of trying to image the spiritual journey and give images for that journey because uh, I think that's really important and actually where a lot of our language is rooted. So I have a vibrant and robust presence on Instagram and or interaction with people there. Um, we could talk about that work and stuff, but um, really I wanted to offer, um, because that platform is oriented towards the image, um, I wanted to offer a way to do visual contemplation and spiritual formation. Um, on that platform and then that's led to and then i also have been like trying to make art shows for churches to use and resources and things like that so that's um it's now it's interesting i started um in obscurity and now it's been getting around and uh, it's interesting to see like i got contacted by uh some people i've been really surprised to be contacted by and and which is fine and great uh certain celebrities but i've just been like how did you find my stuff? Like, who who showed you? You know, maybe they just stumbled through things. But I was like, okay, cool, great, thank you. Um, so, anyways, yeah, it's getting out there. 
maybe some yeah, collection. That's awesome. I don't know. It's, maybe that's, that's the the we set you up so poorly for that introduction. I know. I, I feel bad because the problem the problem is you teed it up i hit it out of the park right (laughs) well see the problem is that neither caroline nor i wanted to to encapsulate what it is that you do because we love your work so much we're just such big fans we're big fans we're big fans and uh in as much as we have been impacted by your work so I don't think you're in it for the fandom, but you mm. uh, would definitely appreciate, I think, that we have had an experience with our faith, both of us, through your images and through the prayers, uh, through your prayer books, especially. And uh, I was telling, uh, you, for our listeners, I was telling Scott earlier and also Caroline that the first images that I interacted with of Scott's were uh, at a like a, Maundy Thursday, the Thursday before Good Friday service, uh, where it was like uh, the Stations of the Cross. And, you know, I chose an image that was 30 pieces of silver. You probably know the one. Oh, yeah. And I mean, he did draw it. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I connected. The activity was pick an image and then you sit with it for a while. And, uh, and it was, it was a profound experience. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think also, yeah, I think a lot of people have had an impact by the work that you and Justin have done through the book and through your presence on Instagram as well, too. And I think it's been really special for me. I've kind of done a social experiment, some may say, of posting some of the prayers on Instagram on my story. And I've even had friends reach out who are, you know, not professing Christians who want to get a hold of it, have purchased it, and just been really impacted by it. And it's just amazing to see the ways that it's crossing over, you know, typical boundaries and barriers that might be present in the church. But that's the power of visual art and of art in general, which is why we have you on here today, which is super exciting. So just to say that, we have to put links in the description for all of Scott's work and how you can find it and his socials and all of that stuff but the topic today caroline drum roll that's terrible i'm like how do we don't we trained ourselves not to bang tables or touch things do you guys have a band in studio what's going on i know really oh that was (laughs) gosh (laughs) we're having fun with this one i like it is uh art and imagery and the creative space and how that uh connects to our faith and uh I, I know for me personally, I grew up in a particular uh, faith uh, denomination uh, that rejected all imagery uh, be, uh, because that was uh, it was a coming out of the Reformation and and saying like we are not the Catholic Church, we are not into like idolatry and all that. So like we had a table. That was it. That was the only imagery that we got. There were no crosses or anything. It was a table with just in remembrance of him carved into the front. Uh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they couldn't escape it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's where I started from. And uh, and I feel I feel like I got gypped like so much mm-hmm. because of that. And, you know, I'm glad that I'm part of a tradition now that like really 
embraces imagery because like it's not like the world or secular like it's not like image is something that got left behind yeah if if christians are not gonna think about it talk about it engage with it it's not like no one else is so yeah and i think that brings me then to my first question for you scott i'm gonna of, stop you oh no i'm gonna stop you because we i we always want to introduce some other personal aspect of our guest oh, okay. and we haven't given scott go. we haven't given scott an opportunity <laughs> we're just totally not in no it we're having a great time okay we're having more fun in this than we normally do <laughs> <laughs> we're just so starstruck and been so impacted by your work we just don't know what to say well we also had a conversation <laughs> beforehand to say well i told caroline i was hoping to bring more of our personality and less formality to the, mm. to the show because i was worried that it was too formal so maybe like we've like sabotaged but so scott what is maybe something from your personal life or like you know what's it like hanging out with scott on the weekend or like who are you outside of the of the i know he's a spiritual director okay and i've seen uh, on instagram that you have an adorable child and I'm struggling. Is it Jonesy? Yeah, Jones is our youngest. We have three. Jonesy. Yeah. So tell us more about that. Oh, uh, hanging out with me on a weekend. Well, I work most weekends. But uh, yeah, my life is interesting. I, I get on planes and I go places. And then when I'm home, I'm really home. So I'm sitting in my studio, which is in my backyard. Uh, I do a lot of dishes and laundry and uh, <laughs> walks and try to be active in some ways uh let's see things i i mean you want to know like things i like to do i mean i i'm in i have kids so there's just a lot of involvement like yeah after i'm done with this i'm packing up i have a local show but i'm gonna pick up my kids from school take them ice skating for a little bit because my daughter's in ice skating lessons and oh. uh i know that we just introduced them to ice skating and they love it um i talk about canadian hookups i played hockey for a little bit when I was a kid and then could we love him anymore? <laughs> I know, right? So it's been fun doing that. And then I'll go to a local show that I'm doing. So um, but yeah, it's you know, it's a mix of like paying attention to this the muse, the the inspiration, like creating, and then also having to do some very tangible things like give kids baths and clean out the you know, garbage and all that kind of stuff. So um yeah, my wife and I like to host dinners and parties. Um, we have a disco ball permanently uh, up Amazing. in our house. Okay. So that... any, anytime we need a dance party, it's always ready to go. And, That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And yeah, my life's pretty full trying to get a little bit more hobbies in there. But uh, well, that sounds pretty awesome hobby. from my point of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's fun. It's overwhelming. Like three kids is a, a lot. Uh, I know yeah. we're not going to talk about parenting in this one, but like. Um, somebody asked me, what's the difference between two to three kids? And I said, mm, the biggest difference is every week, I at least go to bed one night a week uh, with tears in my eyes going, I can't do this anymore. So uh, <laughs> that's the probably biggest move. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, wow. My, we have two kids. And my answer to that has always been man-to-man -man versus zone defense. Yeah. And, oh. and yours feels a little more real. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a oh. lot. It's getting better. You know, the babies, the, he, Jones is almost two, and you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. It's good. It's just, it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. What, but, where uh, did, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm good. I don't have anything more to say. Where did you uh, do your training for your art? Is it self-taught? Did you have formalized training? What? Uh... Yeah, it's mostly self-taught, although I had a lot of, um, it was always a part of my education. So high school, I had some junior high. I had a really great teacher who noticed it in me and really affirmed it. I had some, a great art teacher in high school who did that too. Post high school, I had uh, some older adults who encouraged me in it. Then when I went to college, I had tremendous art teachers that, uh, so I was art and education. So I was a high school teacher for a little bit outside of college, but it really, um, a couple things. I got done with college and I went and lived in uh, England for a year. I went to this like small Bible school, but I lived in England. And uh, I noticed that even though we were like five hours a day in class and all these jobs and stuff like that, I'd still go down to the basement and I'd make things. And I, and I noticed, I was like, oh, this is in me. I need to make space for this when I get home. Hmm. So I came home and I was like teaching waiting tables and I, uh, this church, I didn't even go to them, but a friend hooked me up. I, they gave me a little space in an attic and I made a little studio there and I started practice painting. And then I was 27. I talk about, you know, like young people are like, I gotta figure everything out. I was 27 <laughs> teaching and I remember I was writing on my board in my prep period and I just stopped and I was like, there's something else that I am being invited to do. I don't know what that is, but I can just, I can sense it. And uh, after what it led me to was this like conversation, like, I'll, I wanna be an artist in the world, whatever that means. I, uh, and so I needed, so I quit teaching, kept waiting tables and, and, and started into that. And that was, you know, 14 years ago. Wow. And it's mostly been a thrifty existence. Uh, and, with times on state funding and, but it's been, yeah, it's been weird and wonderful. Uh, so yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, I that's guess my training. So a lot of my training here is the thing. School is just an intense, is an intentional place provided by a teacher, but you can learn anything. So a lot, sure. I learned some good things in classes, but then as I continued into things, I had a problem solve. I talked to other artists, I, you know, you figure it out as you go. Um, so I've all, I'm always learning. Mm and new things like I have uh, seven or eight illustrations I have to do for this project. And I've just been like mentally figuring out how to piece it together. What I've learned about being an artist is um, being an artist, and this is probably gonna be in a book, so don't steal it. Or you can, here's, here's the, here's the, here's the, um, the nobody will read the book now, I'll tell you what it is. But here's the, here's the secret about being an artist. Being an artist is less about your innate ability and it's more about your ability to make things bigger than your innate ability. For example, oh, gotta sit with that. <laughs> uh, if you give me, if you gave me a piece of paper and a pen and said draw a tiger, right now I would draw a not a great tiger. It might be, it might have some whimsy and character, but it wouldn't be great. But if you said, uh, here's a piece of paper and a pen, come back in an hour with a drawing of a tiger, I would come back with a really great illustration of a tiger because I know how to resource imagery, I know how to form and create things and develop things. I would probably like try a number of styles. So it's not about like what you can do just right away. It's about knowing how to build something. And everything is about like real creativity is like, is learning your tools and knowing how to build something bigger than yourself. 
So when mm -hmm. I approach projects, that seems very undo undoable or unaccomplishable. It's about like, well, what are the places I don't know how to do things? And then you go learn those places and you learn how to build. And then often what's great is your limitations give um, a lot of that kind of is your voice. Like um, there's a really great vlogger named Casey Neistat um, ooh, big. Ooh, oh, you just had a soft spot in Eric's heart. Love, love, <laughs> love me some Casey. Why is Casey's videos charming? Is because he doesn't know After Effects. He doesn't know how to do video mm. motion editing and stuff. So then he's like, oh, I got to draw this on a piece of paper and write it out and then do it with me. And that's what's charming about it. Yeah. We don't, we, there's plenty of women and men who know how to do After Effects really well. But when you don't, and that forces you to creative problem solve, that's where the gold is. So, um, not that I'm saying this will never happen, but I'm I'm pretty sure my work will never end up in the Museum of Modern Art in New York City or big galleries or something. Nor is that even my intention. That's its own thing. But to say that I can't make a living as an artist, to say that I can't make engaging and meaningful work, which you alluded to, thank you, humbled by your words. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, often people will be like, oh, I'll have parents talk to me like, my son or daughter wants to be an artist. How are they gonna make a living as an artist? And I'm just like, what kind of artist? There's a lot, everything is creativity in some ways. Like there's lots of like, they were like, oh, how are they gonna make it in the art world? I'm like, what world? What, is, what do you mean by art? The yeah. gallery world, that's one world. You could go the craft world. You could go the printmaking world. You can go the online world. You can go the performance. You know, there's lots of worlds. And um, yeah, so that's, uh, there's, there's lots of ways to do it. But that essentially being an artist is like learning your tools, understanding that your limitations are part of your um, voice, and then um, learning how to build things. And then, yeah. We, we have a coworker who used to say, within limitation, there is creativity. Yeah. That was his famous line. Mm. And yeah, and I think that brings me then to my initial question of- My first question. My first question before Eric <laughs> decided to high tail and just change it all around, um, is what do you kind of think the purpose of art? And art, art, as you said, is a very broad term. And why do you think Imag that actually- Imagery. Let's imagery. Yeah. Sure, we can say imagery. And why do we think that's it's important? Do we need to get more specific into the context of like sacred spaces or just kind of in general? You can say in general, but I'd like to explore We're headed sacred towards spaces. sacred spaces. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we, we need to understand the context in which we live in, which was we have cameras and video recorders. And even now I can see your faces on my computer screen. Those of you in your <laughs> car or phone, you can't, but we can see each other. So we, we have technology that allows us to see what's going on now or to, we want, want to reference something in history, we can look, go look at those photographs and stuff. For most of the history of human existence, that didn't exist. So the only way to remember, chart those things was either through an oral history or to image what happened. Um, and what we have from some of our earliest findings in archeology span is cave paintings. Uh, those paint those cave paintings in France that are like 30,000 years old. Like we have people going, I had this experience with animals or these wonderful things and I wanted to communicate them. I wanted to, I wanted to capture it, remember it, communicate it to something else. And it's, I think in that way, um, that has, that's kind of the core of why we do it. 
it's part of processing, it's part of understanding, it's part of relating story. And then uh, as our tools and ways of doing things, as we develop paint, as we develop surfaces, hides to canvases, to wood, to all those different kinds of things. Like I have a totem pole in here, you know? And I used to never really like Northwest Coastal in Native American art. I grew up around it, I was like, oh, that's all right. But then I started to understand like, no way, these people didn't have iPads or Sketpads to figure all this stuff out. They literally like chop down a tree, carve it out. And they made these beautiful paintings. They had they didn't go to the paint store. They had to like make paint from rocks and twigs and dirt and all that stuff. You're like, what's my why? Why would you do all that? Because you loved something or something deeply impacted your life. And you were like, I got to communicate this. And I want this to be a common story, or I want this to be a shareable thing. And then and you can look through the phases of art history and stuff that when the camera started being invented, we didn't need to like capture realism anymore because that could already happen. So then it became like, what does it look like to capture the impression of something? What does it look like to capture the emotion of it? What does it look like to deconstruct what we think reality is and make it surreal and all of that stuff? So then it became movements in art, which is like, it wasn't necessarily about capturing what's real as much as like evoking an idea or a concept or pushing against an idea or concept and and so that's what's been going on and now it's just i don't know it's everything's over so everything's possible like there is a painting in the 70s of just a black canvas and the painter was saying like everything's everything's been painted we don't need to and what they were saying is like in a way like painting is over but it freed us to do whatever we want now which is cool mm -hmm. so um so there's, I think there's that movement in the art world and in human history, and then in uh, sacred in sacred spaces or in these kind of faith traditions, the same kind of thing. I had an experience. Somehow the wall between reality and the divine was uh, thin, or it was close, and I want to try to communicate it. And um, I, uh, how I, I'm gonna let me draw it. Out. I'm gonna try to explain to you what I saw. I'm gonna draw it out for you. I'm gonna make it. You know. Um, and largely, uh, one of the other presuppositions we need to address is that we come from a mostly literate culture where, uh, and like Christians love to fight about God's the word. And you're like, God's a bunch of letters. Is that what you're saying? Like what? No, like that's not what John was writing about. Like he wasn't saying, mm -hmm. and then the letters of God appeared and they looked like modern English. You know, that's not what it's saying. The letters are just symbols to represent a manifestation of something. And so in the Christian tradition, since like the letters were written and compiled and put in together into our Bible for 1500 years, people mostly couldn't read that. Only the priest could, and it was in Latin. It wasn't until the Reformation it was translated. But the way, if you go to all these ancient cathedrals and stuff, what how they told the stories, how they formed theology was through images because people just didn't know how to read. It wasn't a common thing. So to so we're we're like way into history where it's like we have words everywhere. We have uh, ways to get to information and literature everywhere and stuff like that. And so and I understand that push and stuff, but like imagery has always been a deeply part of being human. And we could get into maybe I don't know much. I don't know a ton about the Re Reformation, but I know a bit. Uh, probably. <laughs> A bit more than some of your listeners. Not a diss yeah. on you. They're just, you know. Probably more <laughs> no, than me. No, no, no diss. But yeah, what the big push was, was really like, 
this whole thing is really corrupt. We need it. We want to like get away from it. But a lot of babies got thrown out in that bathwater. And so uh, I think what I've been seeing over the last few decades is this deep longing for that again. And it's coming out. Well, and um, something that that sparks within me as well is uh, my church in my current church paradigm there's like a real welcomeness to God communicating with the image and pictures and and like images and and that sort of thing. So there's like there's also that aspect as well that like God actually desires to communicate via image at times. Yeah. And uh, that's a really powerful like medium since forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because we have, you mentioned earlier about you know a church tradition you grew up in they were like imaging is idolatry um but there's so many like we've we've all there's look communities are built kind of with unspoken this is what we all adhere to and this is what we don't uh, i think you could go to most churches that maybe have that attitude and go how many of you have exp experienced something godly in a sunset yeah and most everybody would be like yeah what is a sunset it's light refracting from a star through our atmosphere and it's reflecting <laughs> reflect refracting light into causing a color scheme that makes it look you know it's beauty it's be what's beautiful and you're like oh i see something of the divine in beauty and maybe mm -hmm. it's because it's just light and a ball of you know a sun that we're not scared of it but there's this common agreement that beauty can be divine and yet when we get to maybe more things, it's really just preferences. Like mm -hmm. it's just, we're always just getting into human preferences, but we, we've already had this built, this common like acceptance of like, well, this is where I see God, but I don't see God in that because it's new or unfamiliar. And I even <laughs> think the person complaining even is self-aware enough to know that about themselves. But like, yeah, it's been this, it's just, it's funny because if you really started asking questions, if people it's either really a bad interpretation about scripture or they just haven't thought about it or it's just new to them, you know, and they haven't really experienced it. If I can tell, I know you want to, I know you want to ask me another question, but if I can tell a, a quick, <laughs> I did, go for I, it. I still do, but I used to do a lot of live painting, meaning uh, versus dead painting. No, but I would make a painting <laughs> in a church service. Yeah. I'd pray about it. I'd receive an image because I'm freaky deaky like that. And then I just make the painting throughout the service. And um, I found out that you, what you would always have to, if you started in a new space where you're painting consistently, what you'd always come across is what I call the neat wall. Like when you first do something new in a new place, people are like, oh, that was really neat. Thank you. That's so special. That's very neat. Um, you know, because the three untouchables of a church service, which is preaching, singing, and giving money. Those are, the, <laughs> and everything else is special and extra. So, um, but yeah, I found like six weeks or eight weeks into doing that consistently, pe people would change what they would say. They would go, something, what happened? I had this really profound experience with the painting. I've never had that before. It just it really touched me. I don't know what was going on there. And what happens is you've, you've overcome the neat wall or something special in me. That's great. I'm glad you worship God that way. But then actually somebody has a spiritually forming experience. And then when you do that often enough, people go, why don't we always do this? We should have this as part of our liturgy or part of what spiritually forms us. 
and that is because it's not common and it's weird life painting is weird i make a i've made a living on it but it's weird um like i don't think everybody should have people painting in their services mostly because most people stink at painting but <laughs> you see them just google it very true oh we've had it at some of our so events true. yeah <laughs> yeah but those are good it's mostly bad um yeah so um yeah i think i think it's always been a part of it it's just like we because of the reformation and because of the introduction of the gutenberg press and the word bible we just got obsessed with words and pages and now that we live in a society I mean, there's 5,000 books being published every day. Like, you know, there's just, we're inundated. This is actually the premise of our prayer book, which was like, uh, we don't need to tell people how to pray over five paragraphs. People are inundated with information. What we need to do is use the power of words and images to excavate the deep prayer within people and give them something that is easy to kind of dig in them. Um, because we, we, we want to, we think that everybody is invited to prayer. It's not a religious thing. It's a human thing. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm curious then of your own personal experience of how, you know, visual art, art in general has allowed you to connect with the divine to God. Yeah. I mean, so many ways um, throughout my life. Here's a real tangible, here's a, here's a, here's one that didn't happen too long ago. That was really impactful so i live uh in vancouver washington named after captain vancouver is it vancouver BC. much cooler than vancouver washington um but more affordable <laughs> is where i live because <laughs> i'm an artist and i live where people need to afford things uh so uh some things had ended in my life like um i think this is around the time i got laid off from my job I lost this studio space that I had and uh, I had a lot of grief. It was really sad and I had a lot of grief and there's this cathedral or proto cathedral um, just means a smaller cathedral in by my house. And what great thing about Catholics is they leave their doors open like all day long. So I, um, I just walk into the sanctuary and I'd sit in there for like a half hour every day. And there's this um, sculpture, the Pieta, which is Mary holding Jesus's dead body after it's been taken off the cross. And for two weeks, I just sat in front of that icon and I let it excavate me, meaning I let it pull out of me what I didn't have language for. I just could feel this grief, but I, I needed to let that image of this mother holding her dead son, it mirrored or reflected in me like, yeah, something something died that I loved. Mm. You know, I'm on the back end of resurrection, but there are times when you're like, well, any, this is over. Will anything, mm. like, what do we do now? Um, what happens when you thought, like, how everything was going to win loses? You, you know, you know what I'm saying? And it just, it let me, it helped me get in touch with that. I, it, 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 it became in a way like a prayer I didn't have words for. And often I think when I'd leave, I'd just be like, I just, I just, I wouldn't say anything. I'd just go, amen. You know, just, that was it. It, it helped me like get in touch with that. So, and I, you know, you, 
I don't, you can't see my studio very well, but I'm like surrounded in images and icons and stuff like that. Things that have stirred in me or things I love because that's what it does. It helps me get in touch with those things. So I was really just taking something when Justin and I started party, partnering on these books, I was already doing that. Um, in a way on Instagram, I was already, already trying to make my own visual vocabulary for those things. Yeah, so that's that's how it's um, been in influential on in my life yeah hmm. i'm <laughs> he's just feeling the moment i'm feeling so i love the the irony or the the coolness of the the visual artist slaying me with words but um yeah the god using image or iconography to excavate out of you grief and lament and oh that's very beautiful I mean, it would be a pretty lame podcast if all I did was mime it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but still. One of the seeing is Scott (laughs) acting like he's walking. We're just describing things. It looks like he's in a canoe, but he's in one spot (laughs) in his studio. Oh my! One one um, line from the. 40 days of practice book that just floored me was in the before you begin section uh, that said, you know, this book is a piece of art. This book is an act of love. This book is a redemptive tool. This book is a resource. The book is designed to stir, inform, and inspire you. This book is not content. The ongoing conversation between you and God is content. And I was a coworker showed me their book and I read that line and I went and I bought one. Can you comment like on that? Like, so the heart behind that writing that and like, can you kind of expound on that for our listeners that like so much of, like you said, 5,000 books a day or, or published or whatever, that that content is not necessarily one thing or another. The ongoing conversation between you and God is content. Like, can you expand on that? Yeah, let me give you uh, a little example. So have you ever had this moment where you're in the car and you turn on the radio and there's a song playing and you're like, oh, oh, oh this is my song. And you turn it up, right? Uh, and you sing along and maybe dance a little bit in traffic. What What is happening in that moment? by saying this is my song. I remember being at a, like a retail store and some song came on and these like high school girls were like, Tammy, it's my, it's our song, right? <laughs> <laughs> what, what we're saying is that somehow sonically and lyrically, the artist is depicting perfectly what it feels like to be in my own skin or what I hope to feel like. It's, 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 it's tuning me into what is true and honest about how I feel or understand being here, you know, my life. Um, so, uh, so with that, it's like, so the, the content is you, the excavation tool is the song or the art form that's hitting the tuning fork or going, yeah, that's. Yeah, that's how I, that's, that's how I feel. Um, There are more than we need, uh, you know, a plethora of prayer books. 
and from our experience, Justin and I, almost all the prayer books are like, here's, here's how to pray. Let me tell you how to pray. Let me give you words. And that is helpful at times to have other words because sometimes you don't know what to say anymore. Um, but what we were interested in, and also with that, there's a, every, here's how most marketing is for a book. I got four secrets to tell you how to have a better life. You buy my book, you'll read these four, and it's going to change your life. And we're given this like pitch, like what you have, you don't have the answers. I have the answers, and I wrote them in this book, and it's available at your local bookstore or on Kindle or Amazon. Um, we wanted to say, screw that. That's dumb. The Actually, the answers are already in you. The prayer is already in you. You just need like your favorite song to come on the radio to help you understand what your prayer is. Because maybe mm. you didn't know how to say it. You didn't know how to sing it. You didn't know how to image it. And so what we, what we need to give you is we need to give you excavation tools. We, need, we don't need to give you content. Your content is how you're communicating and talking to the giver of your existence about your life every day. What you're afraid of what you hope for, what you're mad about, what you love, you know, what makes you feel funny and shameful and silly and wonderful. That is your content. Uh, what helps us get that is a scene in a movie, a mm. wonderful melody, a beautiful piece of poetry, a wonderful phrase. The content is not be still and know that I am God. The content is actually being still and having that knowledge. The words just speak to the thing. They speak to the content. It's not the content itself. So that was our premise of like, we need to make excavation tools. We don't have anything to offer you. Like our pitch to our marketing team was like, we don't have any secrets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because all of it, because we were just like, we were like, BS. You know, we're just like, we don't want to be people who are peddling content. Come to, you know, because like, we don't have anything to sell you. Uh, but we want to be, we want to, we want to go, we want to, and he, we worked from a couple different premise points, which was like, God is at work at all. God is all, okay. And here's something really different than a lot of the churches we grew up in is that God is at work already in everybody's life. What? You mean I don't have to raise money and send some people over to another country because they've never heard the gospel? I'm not saying, I'm not poo-hooing gins or anything like that. I'm just saying, how is the Almighty not already doing things? Yeah, and then we can get into a lot of theological things there. But if you start with the premise that God is already speaking, and this is what I say about prayer. Prayer is not getting God's attention. That's voodoo. That's banging pots and pans, cutting yourself. Gods, will you pay attention to us? We'll sacrifice our kids. Please pay attention. What we believe is that God's already involved. Just read Psalm 139. I can't get away from you. You know where I'm at. You know if I'm up really high or in the depths, you already know. Starting with the premise. So then prayer is awakening to the voice and work of God already in your life. And, and so we wanted to make excavation tools that helps us see and understand that. Wow, it's like you should write a book or something. I know, I know. <laughs> like I should be on a podcast and talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a fundamental different place to start 
most of we most of what we've been taught about prayer is like here's my shopping list mm. uh these people will die if i don't pray for them their lives will fall apart my aunt's gonna die or her for her ankle will never get fixed if i don't pray and look i don't have all the answers on intercessory prayer i don't i don't have a book about that i'm still learning as i go i have a son with an incurable eye disease and i'm in that tension as well about how do you deal with things in the world you're not in control of but um i i threw myself by telling you that moment but like i uh yeah it's a very different place to start when you start to understand like i mean jesus even says it before he gives the lord's prayer he just says your father in heaven already knows everything you need before you ask and it's like well what do you talk about then and that i think is where the magic starts is like if you started if you just woke up every morning and you have a space to be quiet and you go you already know what do you want to talk mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. see what happens yeah yeah, yeah. Maybe what we need to be transformed in prayer is maybe what we actually don't believe is you already know. And maybe a lot, a lot of the times our praying is like, do you know, can I, uh, there's some things I need to tell you. I had a time and just ask me another question if you want me to stop, but I had a time I've been coming in my studio early in the morning and lighting a candle and sitting with a cup of coffee and trying and just being silent for a half hour. But after that half hour, I had to say some things out loud which is weird. I even prefaced it like, I know I don't need to say this, <laughs> yeah. but I needed to say it because I, because I needed to say the secrets. I needed to say the content out loud so I could understand it, which was, it... which was some hidden fears that I've mm. been rumbling around in me, but I just needed to say it out loud so I could see it myself and go, that is my fear. Okay. You know it, but that is my fear that I have right now. Well, and I think, God also invites us to partner in that, right? He wants us to be a part of calling on him and and speaking it out. And, you know, the psalm, the Psalms are great examples of that. Yeah. For sure. Then the partnership is God's like, I already know. I need just need you to know. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you get on the same page, please? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that that begs maybe a question for me, like how do we call out or call forward or encourage or build up more excavators uh, or people who would create these tools that would help us? Yeah. Yeah. We always have to contextualize. We always have to contextualize this journey with the divine. Um, we have a long tradition of women and men who have given words, images, songs, to that. But um, there are a lot of songs that just are drab. And old uh, story for that, I remember being in Kenya and I was at this church service uh, and <laughs> so funny, we're in this church with like mud floor, you know, dirt floor and pews and stuff and people had their Sunday best on and they're like, open up this hymnal and uh, people are like, I'm I'm quoting Eddie Izzard here, the comedian Eddie Izzard. He has a great bit about being in church where he's just like, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, like he's mimicking like these drab hymnals. And so I'm in like tropical Kenya in this church and people are like, hallelujah, because this is what the British missionaries gave him. And then they close the hymnals and somebody's like, 
I'm sorry, excuse me for not having the correct terminology, but somebody's just like, and then everybody's like, and all of a sudden, everybody came alive. And I was there like, why aren't we doing this the whole time? It's because they were like, oh, and maybe there's legit to be like, maybe they, because I was there, they're like, this guy wants to sing 18th century British songs. But no, what made sense to them was the call and response, the dance, the rhythm, the poetry, right? Just these white British people from <laughs> England, they thought what they needed to do was songs for organs and, you know, sitting in pews. But what made sense for this other group of people in the tropics was this like, we don't have printing presses. So we learned how to call and respond. And we, and we sure know how to move our bodies. So we're gonna bring a rhythm to that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, this, it's the same thing, which is we wanna sing to the Lord. It's just the context was different. So I always encourage people if they like, pay attention what's bringing you to life. If it is, uh, like for a while I needed poems because like poetry really helped me develop a spiritual practice. Um, I have an ongoing playlist on Spotify of songs that spark worship in me. And if most of them, if not all, are not labeled worship music, they are from rappers and singer songwriters. Some might even have some techno songs with no lyrics at all. But when I listen to <laughs> it, it opens the doorway to talking with God. And I'm like, that's what I'm looking for. I collect images. Sometimes I'll change my screensaver and be like, this is the one that's excavating the most. I just say, God is already speaking to you. Pay attention. When you notice the one that catches your attention, spend time with it and go, why is this grabbing mm -hmm. my attention? What's it trying to pull out of me? Maybe that's the very presence and voice of God coming in some way you didn't know. Maybe that is any entertaining. Angels unaware. Oh, oh man, I just got myself excited on that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. But I was gonna have to take off my headphones and do a little dance. I was like, did you see just what happened there? Entertaining angels, angels unaware. Oh my gosh. God has taken off his headphones. I'm not Pentecostal, but holy cow, let's that's, start speaking in tongues. I got more by that. That's the most excited any guest has ever been. So I'm I'm considered this moment of victory. Narcissistically, it was about my own response. But you know, let the kids. That's, that's okay. That's, wow. That is okay. The, the enthusiasm and excitement is infectious. Yeah, I never said that out loud. Now I'm going to say it all the time and be less excited. But you saw the... The, the conception, the birthing of that phrase. The OG reaction. Yeah, entertaining oh, and unaware God. might be through a rap song. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think that kind of brings us into the next kind of phrase or phase, I should say, actually. Wow, I'm not, words aren't even working for me. Maybe I just need to stick to imagery now for podcast hosting. <laughs> just mime it out. But, um, Caroline is <laughs> pretending struggling. that she's drowning. She's struggling. She's trying to climb a rope. <laughs> That's in gym class, and she's trying to climb up this rope. That's how I feel emotionally, honestly. <laughs> On her face is a frown, a sad clown, but not scary like a demon dressed as a clown eating kids. Anyway, wow. <laughs> oh wow. gosh. But I think 
you've kind of brought it up a little bit of how you know the church interacts with imagery how it doesn't do well we kind of like to start with um what it doesn't do so well so that we can end a bit on a better note but um what do you think that maybe the church and i say church as in a lowercase c um think it's perhaps not doing so well when it comes to imagery i know we've mentioned a few examples um what are things that they're potentially kind of harmful in the way that we talk about imagery. Um, I know Eric has brought up a few examples, so <laughs> Eric has lots of examples, but I think just curious to see your um, your opinion and perspective as an artist yourself. Like what has not been helpful in imagery? The way that church dialogues about it, I think is we're more curious about it, whether they're not talking about it at all, whether they're talking about it in a way that's harmful. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of arrogance about how God communicates. And so I think there's just a lot of like hubris in those conversations. Just a lot of like, oh, we know. Sorry, we know. We're never, you know, we're not surprised anymore by God. We figured it out. So I think there's some of that and a lack of experience and maybe a lack of translators. I I, I think one of my giftings is I, uh, I've worked on staff. I've been a pastor. I am pastoral in a lot of ways, but I'm also an artist and I, I'm freaky deaky like that as well. And so, but I know how to communicate to both sides and go like, mm, okay, but what about this? What about this? So I think, I think really like we need people who can help be translators to this kind of mm. group bank on either side. Um, also, there's just not a tradition of forming this. So we just don't have a, like Catholics and Orthodox like I almost, it, it maybe sounds weird. I don't think of Catholics or Orthodox or Protestants as not, they're all Christian to me, but I almost like left my religion because I was like, which just means the practices that I've developed and the rhythms of that. But I almost left it because I was like, there's no place for me in Protestantism. Mm. Like nobody knows what to do with me. So I was like, if I go to the Catholics, they're like, what? We have entire schools for you. You know, like we have jobs awaiting your painting skills and illustration skills. Like they have a tradition of it. We were, most of us who grew up in some kind of Western Protestantism don't. So, um, so that's been neglected. And, and I don't, and I'm not even sure what that, the end goal is, you know, like I'm working on some projects. I mean, I think, uh, if I say this out loud, is that what's happening? Maybe it is. I think in some ways I'm going to spend my whole life trying to do something that most people don't care about. But after I die, there might be like three people being like, I should do that too. And then like it would spawn from there. I'm just like trying to be like, not that I'm saying I'm a trailblazer. I'm not that, I'm not that self-indulgent, but I, I, I just always, my goal is like, I'll do it because it means something to me. And maybe later on, maybe in like 150 years, it'll be more normal. And that would be awesome. Um, so uh, so I've committed to however that pays out and pans out. That's what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, I think, but to get more into your, well, often what we do utilize our artists and designers for is like stage designs and, bulletin designs and I um, I think you know it's amazing how much content is made for Sunday mornings and then just thrown away not that we have to save everything but like big churches when you see an awesome stage setting and then it changes the next week most likely that was ten thousand dollars just to change that all people don't know those numbers it always freaks people out 
big mm-hmm. name pastors and preachers, they have writing teams. I just told that to a friend of mine. She's like, that is what? And I was like, you can't be that profound every week. That's not possible. They just, we don't, there's not one person writing a television show. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, Stephen Colbert does not write everything himself every night. They have teams of writers. It's okay that much. Anyways, so I, I that's a side note. But what, uh, <laughs> you, you, said, you don't say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think what we've allotted most of our resources to is this, uh, this industry of the Sunday service. And that's where we spent most of our time and attention. I think the question we need to ask ourselves is what if we took a piece of that and I like, I like the idea just because you're an artist doesn't mean you're worthy of being supported. Uh, I know. Um, the, 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 the guy who's, oh, he invented eBay, I think. Uh, and he started this participant productions in his Ted talk. I forget his name, but he said, we're looking for artists who have done good work that we can trust to give money to. And I think, I think that's it, which is like, prove that you're an artist that people can come behind and support and you're going to do good work. And I think I'm at a spot where I'm like, Hey, here's my long history of doing good work. Um, here's where I want to go. Who wants to help me get there? I, I don't think, um, I don't look to like a local church to support me because they have too much invested in their own paying rent and their staff and all that kind of stuff. So maybe because of these models of Patreon and support and Kickstarter, what we can do is go, I have this idea. I think I want to, who wants to come behind me? And that's starting to happen with me, which is like, I am collecting a church, but it's made of lots of different people from all over the world to go, let's bring this into the world. I think we need it. So I think, um, I think how to sum that up. That was kind of skidding. But what you're, what you're saying is how has it been unhelpful? I think it's been unhelpful because most of our ways of developing things have been for a very specific content, context and content. Content has been involved, is for a specific context. And I think we need to give a sliver of that to go, what if we started making image content for a broader audience? We don't know how to quite use it in our services necessarily, but we know it's a good thing we need to do. Um, I think also with that, uh, what happened architecturally is we, because of technology and other spaces, we stopped making our spaces to be a teacher and we just make spaces for a teacher. Um, when you go to a, a cathedral um, and you walk into a beautiful space, you don't need a preacher in there to communicate. The space already is the teacher. But now every modern space is like sound panels and microphones for the band and for the teacher. The space is for the te- We've put the focus on the person to be the teacher instead of maybe our sacred spaces can be a teacher. Um, and that's why most of them are uninspiring if you go in there when nobody's in there. Maybe we, maybe we take an excavator to knock down that space and, and create. <laughs> the space used to be an excavator. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Like yeah. I'm, I'm picturing that, and it, it's totally true. We we just did a conference. This is gonna date this podcast, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> we just we just did a conference, and uh, we used some of uh, for our listeners some some of Scott's images and uh, prayer things from uh, his book, uh, May It Be So, and um, you know, we called them prayer breaths between different um, pieces of like 
ooh, now you can't use content yeah. anymore. Pieces, no, pieces of pieces of talking, and it was interesting. <laughs> pieces of talking. I was gonna say content. She heard I it. Know, she heard it coming. I saw it. Oh, but it was interesting to see people throughout the conference shift from this is a breath between two pieces of content to this is part of the content and i saw it i saw it happen live and um you know the number of cell phones popping up to take pictures sorry copyright no, of, no, of, no. Of, of the screen and like because people were just like oh and even the, the last day we had a couple different speakers and uh they used a very different teaching style. They used story and oral history. history. And like, I kind of sat there with it and was like, what was that? And it took me the whole day to process it and come out and go, oh, that was my favorite session. Yeah. But, but it was, it came at me so different because I wasn't ready for the imagery they were using, the style, the medium and all of that. And it, it, so yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. We The setup in our churches is not necessarily designed to help people in the way that they need to be excavated and, and helped. That's wonderful. Maybe we take a flip and say, you know, what are we doing well? What is What is the hopeful side? Yeah, yeah. I mean, your books, the... <laughs> The say yes nope. tour in itself. Wow. Everything, everything I'm doing. <laughs> everything, Scott as a person. <laughs> uh, so, no, what are we doing? Well, I people ask me. I, I sometimes my friends assume I'm like got a good pulse on what's going on in the church. I don't. I get invited to very specific kind of communities. To speak. Be, uh, yeah. But so not to speak to the whole church, but what are you seeing mm -hmm. that gives you hope? Maybe that's a better yeah. way to say it. I, what I'm what I'm hopeful for. Well, I was just meeting with a friend who stopped being a pastor, and we were talking a lot about this this morning. Um, I I deeply believe in the church. Um, I think it has the audacity to say that when we come together, we're all equal, which is kind of nowhere to be found in our world. Um, I'm not saying that gets lived out perfectly. It really doesn't. I mean. For sure. You know, if somebody rich walks in and then a stinky homeless guy, we're like, I know who I want to sit by, you know, but what it, but I mean, the premise is to be like, and let's work on that. Um, Cause maybe the teacher is coming in a spit place you not expected. Um, it uh, gives a, it gives a place to care and know one another. It gives a place for the release of our shame. Um, it it does wonderful things to care for one another and take care of those who need help. Like it, it, I deeply believe in what the church is. I mean, I think it gets wrapped up in politics and power and and identity and lots of other things. That's why it gets really messy and it can be really harmful. But I think those I, those are the things that I deeply believe in and have always continued to be a part of a community. Um, I think uh, I think there I think communities that are writing their own songs and going here's how we'll talk here's how we started to understand talk about this i think is amazing i definitely think there's an industry influence that makes things kind of uh, whatever but that's okay um i i think the i i've seen some women and men who have been able to rekindle what a sermon can be and what te 
teaching can be. Um, I've seen, um, I have seen like communities start embracing art, a lot of my art, but also like have then tried to do it themselves and stuff and give expression to that. And I see it happening. So, uh, and um, yeah, so I'm very hopeful. I, I, I don't think there's, I don't know if there's ever going to be like an age of where we got it right and an age of where we got it wrong. I think it's just always, it's always mixed in together, you know? Yeah. So, uh, um, some of my favorite communities are Sojourn Grace Collective in San Diego, Church on Morgan in Raleigh, I think is tremendous the way they do art and their liturgy, South Bend, in, uh, uh, South Bend City Church in South Bend, Indiana. Um, Jason Miller is the pastor there and, and just their, the music and their space, they have it laid out in a circle as in a crucifix. It's just amazing. And in a little, not podunk town, I mean, uh, Notre Dame university is there, but it's not like a big metropolitan area. And yet it's often in these like small places, people are going, how do we want to talk about God? How, what is God doing in our midst? How, what would our expression be uniquely? And I think that, uh, that gold is happening. My own little church in Portland, Oregon called Cascade. Um, we have the stuff that comes out in our, I like to, our tagline is we're not sexy, but we're a good hang. Like we just are really- Oh my gosh. Pathetic on production. <laughs> um, we're really pathetic what? on production, but like there's very unique and amazing people and when we really tap into that, we're like, oh, wow, God is doing unbelievable things in this. Um, How do you follow yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> we're not thinking we're getting. Yeah. I, That's amazing. Yeah. I, I just, um, maybe to frame the last little bit of, of the, sh like we're wrapping up here, but I, there's a quote um, from G.K. Chesterton that uh, has been bouncing around my head all week. I heard it on Sunday. And uh, it says this, it is, is it possible or it is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy for we have sinned and grown old and our father is younger than we. Uh, I I love that because it was like it ch it changed my picture of like the creative force of God. So we we talk a lot about what does it mean to be human in our work and in our office. And one of the things we say is that to be human or to be made in the image of God is to be made to create and to 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 make and to 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 bring things forward and and just the this picture of God just being so fascinated with daisies that he would make every daisy the same and every rose and every you know all of the, his creation and it just it was so beautiful and I think that was an excavator for my soul this week and I I I <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder um, if you can comment on where you would direct people if you were to if people are looking for tools for excavation, tool, ex tools, wow, for ex tools for excavation, excavation, like they're, they're all around us. God's, God's got them everywhere around you. But, uh, what would be some advice on that? I would say, um, well, the mystical part of me says, go to silence, go to silence and go to nature. 
that uh, we're s more than we know, we're influenced by a news machine. And um, often every day we think we know what the story of the world is. And yet there are many, many other stories evolving and manifesting. And if you pay attention to them, you can go, oh, oh. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. Like, look at those lilies. You who live under a Roman empire, do you see the lilies? Your, you know, your anxiety and stuff. You see those birds? He's pointing that there's like another narrative. There's another, there's another story happening in the world. And I think um, what we need to make sure is that, especially with our anxiety or depression or despair, that we can go, these, conclusion, these feelings are because of a conclusion I made about the story I'm living in. And, and I, need to, I need to go, I need to pay attention that there's other stories going on. I love that Father Richard Rohr, he does like a hermitage most years, but he goes, I go to hermitage so I can get in touch with what's real. <laughs> <laughs> I get away from it so I can get in touch with what's actually happening. And I think that's very difficult and also really compelling and beautiful. So uh, I think the silence and solitude are even quest. But I read this article, it was like, we asked these like seven uh, creative influencers, what what is what has been lost? What do we need to get back in touch with to do creative work? And Questlove from The Roots, who plays on Jimmy Late Night with Jimmy Fallon every night. Questlove, he says, silence. <laughs> That's what's his. He was like, silence is the creative aspect of your life that you've been missing, where all the gold is happening. Hmm. So not saying, you know, after this podcast, turn it off for a while. Turn off the radio. Sit with, see what happens. Yeah, after, after this that, podcast. After this podcast. Stop listening to it. <laughs> yeah. Listen all the way through and then afterwards, <laughs> turn it off. That's mostly it. I, I think also start with the premise that's just like, God's already speaking to you. So where do I need to have eyes and ears to hear and see that? And then, mm -hmm. um, and then, just, and gather those things, collect those things, and, and maybe just keep them in your journal, or if it's a picture, if it's a card, it's a, a phrase. Write it down, spend time with it, and um, develop that stuff. And then, um, yeah. And then, if you want to take it a step farther, like make a liturgy of it. So a liturgy just simply means the work of the people. It's the elements you put together to make a ceremony or ritual or something like that. Say Yes, a liturgy of not giving up on ourselves was my attempt to make a church service about suicide because I've never been to one. And um, and I was like, if you're going to make a church service about suicide, it really can't be so boring that you want to kill yourself at the end of it because that's <laughs> against what the goal is. So I started taking notes and image like the things, very image, story, comedy, singing. It's all of these weird things. But I... I am the collector and curator of that to lead us through a liturgy that's transformative. <clears throat> but I spent two years just taking notes, writing things down, collecting songs, things that stood out to me. I was like, that's for something. You know, and there's great apps like Evernote or like this is my showing you, this is my journal. Just, today, my friend said something. I was like, oh yeah, and I wrote it down. I have it, you know, I'm a collector, I'm paying attention. And then I go back to it and go, where, where it's happening? <clears throat> you can make your own prayer guide. You know, you don't need to buy my book, although it's available right now. Uh, but you can like make your own, like what's, I've been trying to make seasonal prayer guides 
that are like little zines, you know, like photocopied zines that just mm -hmm. sidetrack a publisher and trying to be so oppressive. But like, here's what's resonating with me on the, you know, and, and offering it to people. So yeah, that's where I would say start with those things and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. Well, we're really thankful to have you here and well, yeah. kind of here. Here, I mean, you're across the computer, which is great. But yeah, no, I think right it's there. been. Uh... You guys aren't in the computer. <laughs> oh, no. Shockingly, no. <laughs> but no, I think this has been. We, I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised, but the same experience we had from the book, I feel like we're having through this interview. Yeah, yeah. Just contemplative, like, ah, oh, I need to process that. Imagine that, that there would be fidelity between the author and... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, shocking. But um, yeah, on our podcast, we like to give, you know, the guests the final word. So whether that is just a final sentence, a thoughtful phrase, lasting impact, you know, something that carry them through the ages. Just a, kidding, a no mine. pressure. <laughs> or mine. <laughs> so the time is uh, yours. Scott is right now moonwalking in his studio. Um, yeah, here's my favorite, here's my favorite prayer. Um, it has been, uh, if you, right now, wherever you're at, find your heartbeat. And when you can find it, spend time with it and just realize that your heart is beating without you being in control of it. Your very existence uh, is happening because of something you're not in control of. And you can do that with your breath and the world and all of it. There's so many things about existing that you're not in control of. And so when you lose heart and think that you can be separated from God's love or God, realize that that very grace of existing was given to you by God, the giver of your existence. And you can find that belongingness, that connection right there in your very own heartbeat. It's always there. There's content right there. Wow. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Scott. And uh, I, I bless you to get some good sleep tonight. And uh, oh, bless enjoy. Pray for, the, pray for baby Jones then. That's really because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all his fault. <laughs> really up to him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there well, you go. Thanks. thanks so much for being here. And thank you guys. It's great. It's to, been it's been really fun. Yeah, thank and thanks you. to our listeners. And we'll catch you next time on Undiscussed.